Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Bryce. It's Des from Survivor Ghost Island. Just wanted to say I love you. I miss you. And I can't wait to see you. Hope to see you soon. Love everything you're doing with the podcast. Keep it up. It is phenomenal. It's a... It's a purple pants podcast. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the purple pants podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. It's the purple pants podcast. You trying to unwind? You better get that box wine. It's the purple pants podcast. You trying to get your snack? You better hurry right back though. It's the purple pants. It's the purple pants. What's good, everybody, and welcome to episode 98, Love Yourself. I am your humble and gracious host, Bryce Isaiah, and welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast. To all my first-time listeners, what's going on? And to my Purple Pants Posse, oh, what it is, oh, what's up? I hope that everyone has been doing well since the last time that we have chatted. Summer is here. I see everybody going on their vacations. They live in their best life because you already know we outside. But before I go any further, if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the Purple Pants Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, write a review, and give your baby boy some five stars. It's been a crazy week for your baby boy with work, with working on projects, getting interviews done, and there's been so much content and casual tea, I feel like, going on in the air. Uh, The last couple of days, I've taken the time to watch the Mary J. Blige My Life documentary on Amazon Plus, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody that's a Mary J. Blige fan, especially if you uh, get something out of my life. I always share with you guys that I'm a bath person, and whenever I take a bath, I like to set the mood, put the, you know, salt bubble bath going, light the candles, and I really like to listen to slow, sad music. For whatever reason, you know, my soul reacts to it. A constant on my playlist is Mary J. Blige, My Life, from, you know, be with you mary's joint don't go you got to believe i never want to live without you those are like my go-to jams and this documentary really kind of categorizes where mary was at in her life and i really feel like it speaks to this podcast because in the documentary a lot of what mary talked about 
was that she didn't love herself. You know, she didn't have the self-esteem. And in a lot of those songs, she's begging for, you know, her partner to stay with her. She's saying through situations, it's not good, but I just want to make it work because I don't want to be alone. Even throughout the documentary, there are clips of the fans telling her how much she means to them. And Mary says at that time, she couldn't receive it like she heard it. And for a couple of days, it made her feel good. But after that, she just felt like she wasn't anybody and she didn't uh, doesn't understand why these people are gravitating to her. And that's definitely something I can relate to. So I really enjoyed the Mary J. Blige documentary. If you haven't seen it on Amazon Prime, go ahead and see it. Go get somebody password and watch it, too. Also, I feel like what has been going on is the Free Britney movement. You know, I talked about it here a couple of episodes ago. The documentary Free Britney this week in a court hearing via Zoom. Normally, Britney likes to speak through her lawyers, but she said no more. And she actually had a conference with the judge, said to the judge, she's not happy. She feels as though if she could sue her family, she would. She wants to be with her boyfriend. She wants to have children, forcing her to keep an IUD in so that she cannot have children. They've been putting her on medication such as lithium and all of these things that through the consortium she does not agree with and feels like they're abusing her. In her own words, which we all have been thinking and seeing. And I really want to give a shout out to the Britney Spears fans that spearheaded the free Britney campaign because they are the ones that really were picking up on a lot of this stuff. And Britney even apologized to the fans this week saying, I know I pretended to be happy and discredited a lot of what you said, but you guys were right. So I, you know, I got to keep y'all posted on that. But I'm just screaming from the top of my lungs, free Britney. And even in the title of this podcast, love yourself for her to finally feel as though it's time for her to speak out and had enough. She would have to come to the conclusion that her life is important and that I've got to love myself enough. So ooh, it's a lot with the free Britney. And then I've also been keeping up with the HBO show Generations. You know, I love that they've come back for they always confusing with the HBO I thought it was the first season and it only had eight episodes and then it came back last week and it's like part two of the first season. And so last week we got three episodes this week. We got two episodes, but I am very much so involved with all of the episodes. I will admit, though, there does seem to be a stark difference from the first set of episodes to now, but they are just as much engaging and thought-provoking as the whole series, which is why I love it and encourage anybody and everybody that's listening to get on into Generations on HBO Max. And before I go any further, you already know it's a hot mess house. So make sure Thursday nights, HGTV, 8 p.m., you show my brother Wendell Holland some love as he is the co-host 
on the new season two of the HGTV show, Hot Mess House. It's amazing. I love it. I love to see the transformations. I love to, you know, see all of the categorizations that cast has for people. I'm definitely a butterfly. I'm a visual organizational person. It's organizational. Yeah, no, that's a word because you don't know I'll be making up words. But listen, make sure you guys get into Hot Mess House Thursday night. 8 p.m. on HGTV. Now, listen, enough about all of that. Let's get into this week's episode. I'm extremely proud and excited of this week's episode. You know, we got the church announcements and on the menu this week. I welcome the celebrity DJ, Brian Henry. He graciously comes on the podcast. We get to talk about his B Hen block party. We also get to talk about a side that he does not normally talk about publicly. And it's really about his identity and how he got to where he is today which I feel like is through self-love. And we really have an open and honest conversation. And I definitely think with Pride Month, it's important for us to have this conversation, especially us as two black men in this industry. So it's definitely a conversation, an interview you don't want to miss. We've got a special Barb's message. Miss Jatia wrote in a question to Miss Barb and she answers it open and honestly. And we got Freak of the Week. So listen, without further ado, let's get this podcast started. But before we get it started, let's make sure we love ourselves. Here are the church announcements. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's a church announcement so now. Welcome to church. And on this week's church announcements, I just want to read a passage about self-love. I don't know who this passage is for, but I hope you receive it. Love who you are. Embrace who you are. Love yourself. When you love yourself, people can kind of pick up on that. They see confidence. They see self-esteem. And naturally, people gravitate towards you. Love yourself. And that is this week's church announcements. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a man who, it's a menu. Me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. It's a man who, it's a menu. Me and potatoes like we're cooking up a great stew. And keeping the menu rolling, I am so excited this week. I've been really thinking about this interview for such a long time, and I am so honored that this person would grace the Purple Pants podcast. You may know this DJ from ABC, Good Morning America, or the Cannes and Sundance Film Festival, New York Fashion Week, Harvard Business School, or I mean, let's be real, any club that's banging in LA is probably him on the ones and twos. He also leads Beats to Beat Breast Cancer, a music-driven nonprofit focused on eradicating the disease in the African-American communities across the nation, where I actually had the pleasure of meeting him. But enough of this intro. I love to formally welcome to the podcast DJ Brian Henry. What's going on? What's happening, man? How you feeling, B? I'm blessed by the best and highly favored, so you already know I'm I'm good to go. How about yourself? I'm great. I can't complain. I could if I could complain, you really wouldn't want to here so i'm going to keep it on the highbrow today you know what i'm saying i appreciate that i appreciate that i um i'm so excited to have you on the podcast i feel like a year and a half ago i reached out and you know i was left on scene and so when i messaged you and you were (laughs) able to get back uh and uh say like what you want to talk about i'm like well i just love to have you on my podcast brian are you like get on the phone i need to talk to you because i need to figure out what you want to talk about and i'm like oh god oh okay let's let me get on the phone i'm like give me like 20 minutes so i can get the light together and um you got me sound uh, like the big bad wolf <laughs> i mean if the shoe fits uh, but honestly though i was and and essentially we had like the the interlude to the actual podcast because because the conversation in which that we had that night was so profound and really impactful to me. It had me thinking about things that I had not thought about in such a long time. So I was really grateful for that. But before we get into all of that, I would love to congratulate you on the B-Hen block party that you had a week ago at this point that joint was jumping i was all over the instagram <laughs> watching the footage i'm like oh my god no he don't got the vocal bible brandy there i yeah. see quay i see so many of my friends there i was like oh my god i love this so to some of my listeners that are listening like what is the b hen block party the b hen block party well thank you again for having me i certainly appreciate it um our block party, the Behind Block Party, is founded in 2014, and it was out of response from a. I wanted to celebrate my birthday, and a venue owner and manager So "Yeah, we love to have you, and you know, come on in, bring your people. This is what we're gonna do for the bar, blah 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 blah." But you know, they were really working to dictate what I could and could not play in terms of music. And you know, this is in 2014, where they still were telling me in LA to sometimes you need to play top 40, and top 40 was a cold word for don't play black music. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, nah, like you can't want 
my business in, ter- in terms of the money that I'm going to bring you, but not appreciate the fullness of who I am and my culture. And so we were behind my best friend Tay's crib and looked around and somebody was like, yo, like, won't you host your party, birthday party back here? And I looked around, I'm like, oh, it reminded me of being back home in Baltimore where I'm from. It's like, yo, we're going to call this the block party because like an asphalt, concrete, um, black top, if you will. And uh, it just started from there. And it started as something that's like 200 people that came out to. We really didn't know what we had. We had spray painted the wall and on your graffiti and wrote bleeding block party to now we had 1500 people strong in downtown LA uh, this past weekend. And we turned away over 550 people Mm. were on the wait list, not to mention the number of people who showed up the day of. And so it has grown into become a whole movement. We've now hosted it 10 times since 2014. And I'm just extremely thankful. And what makes it so different in comparison to other events is that it's the antithesis of nightlife experience. There's no bottle service. There's no VIP. There's no guest list. If you want to come to the party, you buy a ticket, no matter who you are. You know what I mean? And there's yes. and, and it's important because we don't we take away the sections because in sections and anything that separates us, that's not love. And this is about music. And music for me represents love. Music means that we're bringing people together. And so I think that leads to the success of the event because we remove all those barriers that separate us. And it is very warm and welcoming to everyone, all walks of life. You know, no less than half the crowd is LGBTQ plus, you know, and the 85% of us are black who are in attendance. And so we are playing music from across the diaspora. I encourage my DJs, don't come here with that trap set. I don't want to hear it. You know, I want you to give me that Baye Brazilian funk meets Baltimore club meets DC go-go meets Jersey club meets New Orleans bounce meets every genre, you know, our Afro beats from uh, overseas, like we London garage. We want you to play as many different genres that speak to the black experience as possible. And uh, man, it's, 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 it's grown to become a big, a big deal. We're now at like many festival status. We had coverage from the LA times, wrote a whole piece on us. Uh, we were featured on national TV on access Hollywood. Uh, so we, we are grown, we've grown a lot and I'm excited that we're taking it on the road this summer as well. Yes. That's exciting. Um, and even all of the genres that you cover and don't forget gospel. Our God is an awesome guy. He, right. Okay. And when I, I was like scrolling through your Instagram because I always stalk your Instagram because either you somewhere on them ones and twos or you on some crazy island where I'm like, Ugh, I wish I could be there. <laughs> but I, I really loved one of the things that you posted was like after the year we've all been through, uh, we had to praise and worship and thank God we're still here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment of the block party church ain't the only place where we connect with God. And I said, oh, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt that. And I... It just made me think that, yes, praise and worship from what we know as a children, you know, at church, like, no, like, why you can't praise and worship, you know, at the Behem block party? Why you can't praise and worship wherever you are when two or more gather in his name is what Mm -hmm. he says. So I I love that of you giving praise still throughout the block party and enough and just if y'all have not the photos look amazing i just am jealous i was not there but it brings me to like how has music influenced your life and when did you know you wanted to become a dj man music has been the core and central focus of my life since i can remember you know what i mean I, and that sounds so cliche people say that all the time but like <laughs> literally i would pay my aunts still talk about this my great aunts they were like we would pay to find the video footage of you being four years old at the carnival with the green screen and the little box. And I have three of my older cousins there, but my four-year-old self is still in the show because I'm in there dancing with the big head and just moving and moving. Like I've always been dancing. I've always just wanted to have a good time. And music has been a central point of that. 
Um, unfortunately, my pops was not on that train at all. Like, you know, I wanted to be a DJ when I was 13 and he took me to the pawn shops and we couldn't find any turntables. And he's like, listen, it don't matter because ain't no son of mine going to be no damn DJ. And it crushed me. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it made me realize I needed to go more of a straight and narrow path. And so I used to be on the step team in high school and freshman year of college. I, you know, stop playing football so I could do more of that because the step team was like, I'm making beats with my feet, you know? Right. Um, and we we moved around a lot, so I didn't get a chance to play a play an instrument and band, but I always wanted to. And so I didn't start DJing until after I graduated college, like three years after I graduated college, actually, because I went through this whole process of corporate America and doing any and everything else. And people asked me how I became a DJ. It was like it was like a process of elimination. I did everything else that I was supposed to do and I hated all of it. And so I didn't really feel like I came alive until I got the opportunity to be behind the ones and twos. And what it really is, is like I love presenting music in a way that brings joy to others, you know? And so music has always been with me. I love that. And I, I definitely definitely can say as one who has like seen you in action and who watches you through the the screen you definitely bring it to life you're definitely not a regular dj like you know there's these celebrity djs out here and, and i ain't trying to bad mouth nobody but i'm just like y'all getting paid all this money for what i i feel like and i for some reason i still want to call you dj b hen but dj Brian henry like you give the experience like you up there I, it feels like you are still on the step team because you be, you know, <laughs> okay, like you be up there moving and shaking. You up there, you'll get into the audience. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I love that about that because it's like you're bringing the energy. It's like if if you came here to, to listen to music and you came here to come alive, then come alive. Don't just have your back up on the wall. And so I don't, I, I just love that about you. Um, how would you? self-identify and what are your thoughts about leading with your sexuality self-identify i'm me i'm brian i'm a child of god you know what i mean and i'm a whole person you know i think that's how i identify i think so often we try to categorize ourselves based on our gender or sexual orientation or preference or who we sleeping with or want to sleep with and we miss the mark you know what i mean it missed it misses the mark from us allowing us to be our full selves you know what i mean um i if people ask me i, I simply say i'm within the lgbtq plus community because there's a host of titles and and and, and spectrum within that that you know one thing doesn't fit one or the other you know what i mean for for me personally you know what i mean but i think just saying that saying that uh that blanket statement allows them to understand i'm just not straight <laughs> so that i think that that fits the bill for me you know what i mean what what's just most important for me is just to make sure that I'm loving myself enough to just be present no matter where I am and I'm not allowing anybody to put me in a box. I think Janelle Monet says it best, categorize me, I defy every label. And and that and that's what like people try to say, oh, this is gay dude, nah, but I defy what gay means. I defy what straight means. I defy what bisexual means. I defy all those labels and I show up as my full self and my full self is is love. And to me, that's the answer. That's what's most important after labels. You know what I mean? Right. I love that. I, uh, I want to ask a question of like, when did you feel like you got to that place, though? Man, I ain't gonna front. That was that was recent. That may have only been two years ago. And prior to getting that place, it was a battle. It was just deep, deep seated battle that really was robbing me of all of my joy or all of being present. I would be in rooms where people would just dream of being. I was wondering like, man, would they, would they want me here? If they knew this or they knew that. And it's really unfortunate. You know what I mean? I used to be uh, more concerned about being out front 
with anything related to sexuality because I didn't want to become the poster child for it. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, you actually need to be the poster child for it because it it enables me to speak from a positive platform and encourage other young brothers or sisters who are at at odds or challenged with their sexuality. It gives me the opportunity to share my journey as a means to encourage them that you can do whatever you put your mind to. That's one of the things my grandmother used to say all the time. And of course, it's like I said, it's a little cliche, but it really is true. The power manifest manifestation starts in your heart and in your mind and whatever you set your intentions on within those of those spaces and you stay steadfast and focus on it and pray it up about it, it can all happen. But if we're worrying about us being less than or what other people think of us based on our sexuality, then we'll constantly miss the mark. Yeah, I agree. I, I can also relate to just, you know, in my early youth, growing up and always feeling like is somebody going to like call me out of my name today or somebody like going to ridicule me and I will always love like move up day because I always felt like yes it's a new opportunity to go to a a new classroom a new school and like they won't know me and I I really just want them to like love me and not Mm -hmm. you know all of these negative names that I I, I tend to get called or, or I get bullied and so I definitely can that resonates with me growing up because I in my mind I didn't know I was doing anything wrong you know I just thought I was just being myself and then I, I quickly learned of what and how they were teasing me and so then that's kind of sort of when I, I've started to dim my light and not be the like the bright that I am today and um yeah so I, I definitely can understand and reflect and you know respect that um so and it's hard and which is why I always encourage anyone that I come in contact with anyone that listens to me how important it is to live in your truth and just be your true authentic self like what who and what you want to be not Mm -hmm. what the world wants you to see or be but like really inside like if you were in a room by yourself like be that person um Mm -hmm. because people don't understand how putting on a show or putting on for what you think the world wants to see how draining how like you will literally rob yourself of those things and sometimes it takes people sometimes in their 50s and 60s to realize that right and it's it it saddens me like i i don't i don't think that anyone should have to deal with that i'm one of the more people that for me growing up like it it, people knew i was gay it was not anything that i could hide like i was myself and so it took me years to kind of sort of accept that you know that's not what i chose it's not what i wanted who would want to be to be ridiculed who wanted any of that and so for me it was like really kind of finding the strength of you gotta love yourself and you know and you have to really love yourself because in this world i clearly see that it's not for me they they are hating on me and it wasn't until i really accepted who i was and like loved myself that i started to see blessings things i started to see that like you know what this thing that at one point in time i hated is actually my gift it's actually what connects me to a lot of people can actually so and that's how i choose to lead because like you said before there's so many young people below us or coming up from us and a lot more younger people coming up under you because you know you are a lot older than i am brian but you know don't forget that part yeah true (laughs) i'm in my tender youth but no but it's just important for for people to see that and to see the spectrum of things and to know that but Mm -hmm. in 2019 you won the truth award Mm -hmm. what did that mean to you 
It meant a lot. They actually surprised me with the Truth Award. I had been DJing the Truth Award since its inception. So at that point, um, six years, and I was on slate to DJ again that evening. And I had already stepped outside and was ready to be in the foyer and ready to play music for everyone to come out and celebrate. But my manager was trying to get me to come back in. And I was like, what you want me to come back in for? She's like, come back in. And I'm like, all right. Like, I'm like, so I sit at the back of the ballroom, just like, what does she even want me in here for? I've seen this program. I know what happens at the end. It's time for me to get this party started. And then they begin with this whole video montage of, of, of describing why I was the recipient of the social uh a social activist award of sorts. And um, my, I call them my gaffers, my gay fathers, uh, Glenn and Steve. And they're such a, an amazing example because they are uh, 59 years old, both of them, and they've been together for 39 years. So next year they both celebrate their 60th birthday and they celebrate being together for 40 years. And these are two black men, you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's so important to see examples of what partnership looks like. Mm. You know, people are always like, oh, they must have an open relationship or they must not be black. No, no. That neither of those, neither of those things are applicable. You know, it's important to if you want to be something, you have to see it first. Mm. And so, you know, seeing them as a as an example, of what it looks like to be in a loving, committed relationship, homeowners, both of them are engineers. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it it's just so important. And I've previously been in a long term relationship myself. And, you know, although that no, that's no longer the case, it still gives me very much the foundation of just like I know what partnership was going to feel like and I know what it's going to look like because I have an example of that. So at any rate, they presented the award to me and I mean, man, they, I felt like I was, uh, I was at the Grammys or I felt (laughs) like I was (laughs) like, I was like at BT or the Golden Globes or something. Cause you know, when they do the little, little interstitial and they have, they have all this footage of you, they pull in from different parts of your life. I'm like, where the hell did y'all even get this stuff from? You know, and all my friends were there giving testimonials on the video. And then they brought my younger, my youngest cousin on board. He's nine years old. And the moment he came, when I just broke down. I was I was a G beforehand, but then when he got on the screen, I started crying because he's only nine years old and he lives in my hometown of Baltimore. And like, I live in LA, but anytime I'm on the East Coast for a gig, whether I'm doing Good Morning America or DJing something in DC, and sometimes even though I'm all the way in Atlanta, I will make my way to Baltimore to spend time with him because I know how important it is for him to have a, a black male role model in his life, you know? And I just do my best to make sure that he's going along the right path. And so for his mother to know I'm getting awarded this truth award and want to make sure that he speaks on my behalf, it just it just sent me. But uh, they honored me for creating safe spaces and environments where everyone's welcome via the block party. And they honored me for, for, you know, being an activist and a change agent surrounding breast cancer prevention awareness with our nonprofit organization, Beats to Be Breast Cancer. And it just meant a lot. It meant a lot because oftentimes people within the LGBTQ plus community are uh, highlighted for being caricatures or the butt end of a joke or someone who is just a, a typecast. So to be honored for creating value for other people within our community, that meant so much to me. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the, the event happens once a year thrown by the Brother Brothers of L.A. and they acknowledge someone within the LGBTQ black community in different sectors, whether it be entertainment, business, policy and procedure making uh, process, whether it relates to politics. You know, so many so many different sectors where you see us making a difference, but oftentimes we don't get that recognition. And so that's why the organization is just so important. And so it meant a lot. It was it was incredible, you know. And at that time in your life, did you feel like you were at that place of like how you feel today about yourself? Do you feel like the Truth Award was a moment where you were like, wow, like I'm receiving this award and I'm in a space in my life where like I 
am a hundred percent myself and I don't care. Like, how was that? It was, it was like a, it was like the cherry on top. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like the thing that enabled me to finally, the cake is done. It's baked, it's done. And we put the icing on and now it's ready to be served. You know what I mean? And there's so many people in my life who are already aware of me as relates to my sexuality, but it's not anything that I had publicly stood on a platform and ever discussed. And so being honored in that way now had given me the courage to even sit and talk with you today and, and, and other platforms as well. Well, we can just we can just keep it a buck. We can tell what it is. You know, what I mean, I think I was more in pre prior to that. Just cool. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know what the deal is. I'm, we good. We good. You know, what I mean, but not really taking the point of being an uh, activists about it, you know what I mean? And so I think that's what the, that's the truth award was a defining moment in terms of me being able to shift from, you know, being cool in the background about it versus now being a leader in the forefront about it. Right. And I, I think that it is so important that you do like use your platform um, because representation is so important. And again, mm-hmm. I feel like every time we talk, I always feel like you have my mind spinning um, <laughs> and like just ways that I, I have not thought in such a long time because there's not a lot of times where two black members of the LGBTQ plus community can share their experience. Um, You know, a lot of the times, like you said, like it's the lifestyle is made into characters and different things, but they don't really like relate on uh, real levels like this. And like you talking about your gay dads and saying how important it is for them to role model to you what a long term loving black gay relationship looks like i feel like that's so so important because in my lifetime i've never seen it Mm. and i always on my platform here i always talk about why representation is so important and why i try to be a a role model why i try to talk to people about their differences why i try to be an ally and it's just so important because i feel like growing up there were not a lot of positive imageries of gay black men um they were either like literally dying or they were the hairdresser and it didn't really leave many options and Mm -hmm. you know i I feel like for me growing up it was just like i just want to survive like I just and I, I think which a lot of it has led in, in my personality of like they like oh Bryce you so funny like why are you always like and I'm like do you really think I'm funny because I don't think that I'm funny but the more I uh, self analyze myself and the older I become and the more real I can become with my truth it's like bitch you funny because you got tired of people making fun Picking of you. On you yeah so you like let me make you laugh and It'll we'll let you right we'll distract you um mm-hmm. so you know just little things about yourself that you grow but again it's just that representation is so important and, and it's just i got all these questions for you but you talking about that and like you actually having uh role models in your life to model something like that i'm just like oh you so lucky because that's so important i've in my early you know my early years on this earth i still have yet to have that you know connection i've got like you know some great role models in my life um that are gay and in a relationship um they're white and that makes it you know that's fine but there is something about it when you see it that look like you that know the struggle um i think that it's so important so that's just really where my mind is at uh Mm -hmm. because And and they remind me that you know Gay, gay shows up in so many different places. You know, they're gay architects and uh, entertainers, lawyers, judges, 
you know, uh, every segment where you see anyone prospering, there's someone who can be someone with an LGBTQ space. And it's more important for more of us to step up to the plate and self-identify because it gives, it empowers the next wave of youth to see the possibility for their lives. And I think it normalizes it to the point that this next generation doesn't have to worry about being bullied because it becomes such a day-to-day part of life. It's like, yeah, woke up this morning, had a bagel. My son's gay. We're going to football practice today. And I'm going to make sure that I read him a bedtime story at night. Like it can be that simple. Right. But when we, when, when it's such, you know, I think so, such, so many of our issues with it come from colonialism and come from, uh, you know, just how it was uh, unfortunately demonized within our communities, even even prior to getting to the U.S., you know what I mean? But that's a whole nother story. I mean, well, listen, we got time to talk about that because I, like, I really wanted to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on the history of, like, masculinity as it relates mm-hmm. to the Black community and how do you think it shapes your views of your own identity? Sure. I mean, I think we over-index and we put masculinity too much on a pedestal, so much so that we don't even really know what true masculinity is. We think masculinity is machismo and being hard. Like, the most masculine men know how to empathize and have compassion and they know how to show their emotions. A true man is, is someone who, a true masculine man, if in my opinion, is someone who can uh, embody the full range of emotions, who knows how to hug and knows how to, but also, like I said, can go out there and yo, we're going to hoop today. You know what I mean? It's a full range of things, but we have such a toxic way of viewing masculinity mm. because of how colonialism and racism have adversely affected our communities. Uh, one of the most impactful things that I've learned, I learned from Bishop Yvette Flunder, she's doing a segment where she was speaking and she, she said that in the, in the African community, when, when white settlers or European settlers came into our uh, communities and prior to being coming over in the, in the, in the transatlantic slave trade, they were coming into our communities working to identify who was of power. Who was the most powerful in the community? Who was the most well-regarded? And that person tended to be within the LGBT community. They, they, they would label that person the witch doctor or the, the bone bitch, the one someone had looked eccentric and had something in her nose or his nose or whatnot. But in African tribes, they viewed this person as they tended to be the most wise because they understood masculine men, effeminate men, effeminate women, uh, masculine women. They had a, a wide spectrum of compassion. These people tended to be the healers within our community. These people people tend to be the one if, if your child is sick or if you're or if you're depressed as an adult you you come to this person and this person helps heal you and helps go through the journey with you and there's something to be said about you know sexuality and spirituality like all those things come from the sacral chakra and you know we have we have chakras all over our body but our main seven you know uh, the, the 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 sacral chakra i think is like the second chakra and that chakra controls your spirituality your sensuality your creativity and your sexuality so spirituality and, and, and sexuality are inextricably linked you know what i mean some of those who are the most uh, well-regarded or, or have access to the most high or, or in, in a way that's more unique than most, we can't expect that person also is also heteronormative like that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't always work like that. That's why most times you see the gay music minister in church, you know what I mean? Like, or a lot of creatives 
period, tend to not be heterosexual. You know what I mean? There's just, you're gifted from a certain place. And so that same thing comes with the sensuality and the creativity. And like I said, the spirituality, like all those things are inextricably linked. And our, our ancestors knew that. And those things were well regarded. They were held to the highest point in African tribes. But when you have European settlers are coming in to, to seek control, those things were demonized. Those things were made to be the lesser. Those things were made to be, you know, it, it, even during the, during the transatlantic slave trade, when you brought African slaves over to the Caribbean, they had a whole process of called breaking the buck. And that's when they thought black men were getting ahead of themselves. And so they literally would chain up their, their wrist and their head and put it on a block and close the block and chain them up. And they would sodomize black men in public in front of their wives. And so, so often in, in African communities or even Caribbean communities, why gay sexuality is thought to be uh, so bad is because of how, uh, unfortunately, Europeans in that in that time frame took sexuality and, and made it a negative thing through those traumatic experiences that then, from a, a genetic and DNA standpoint and a trauma standpoint, have been embedded in our communities for years. And so I think only now in the most current of days have our, has our level of awareness as Black communities have, has expanded. And we've grown to a deeper place of acceptance. Um, but that's that's the historical context of some of those things. It's, it's, it's not, you know, uh, people of color, black people in particular, are, are loving people. We love everybody. You know what I mean? It's just the trauma that's been inflicted on us that makes us historically look less than, look upon the LGBT community as, as less than. And that's never been the case. That's never been true. Right. And I think just even hearing that is, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are hearing that for the first time because I, when you drop that bomb on me, I'm like, wow, I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it goes along the lines of like, you know, Juneteenth. And there mm-hmm. is so much of our history that is not taught, that we are unaware of. And I think that it is like the root to a lot of different things. Because growing up, I will always say to some of my friends, it's like, you know, why is it in the black community uh, specifically is like being gay so like, why are we so hard on ourselves about it in other communities i don't and not to say that they are exempt from it but from my personal experience i just felt like you know um like why are we so why is it so more demonized in our own communities in our own places and even Mm -hmm. like today i was having a conversation with um one of my friends in preparation for this conversation um and she's like one of my best friends and like you know i was the topic of toxic masculinity came up and mm-hmm. and she was like I, I i don't like that term it's it, it's it just d- doesn't exist i'm like no it, it it does and she's like well it's the way in which you say it i'm like well i i'm like girl this is my lived experience if you saying that the word toxic masculinity is upsetting you. Like, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but like, it's a real thing. It's like my lived experience. And so it's just interesting um, just to hear some historical context behind that, because I'm sure so many people don't even know that. And it, it makes sense. And, and when you think about it, you look at, and I don't judge me, but I, mm-hmm. I think of like Lion King. And I think of like uh, like the mythical creature in Lion King and it's like, you know, who they brought the baby to and like, you know, like I would assume that he's like one of the, the I don't know. It's just like it makes me think of different things and different roles of like how I've always seen it, but never really knew uh, of the historical context. What are your thoughts on like homosexuality being genetic nature versus nurture? I mean, I think I think it's definitely 
you know, genetic aspects of it. And I mean, that speaks specifically to my family. You know, I'm, I'm the oldest. My brothers are six and 11 years younger than me, respectively. And all of us fall within the LGBTQ community. And I think it's super unique because my youngest brother has a different mother. And he grew up on a different side of town. His mom had him in church four nights a week type of situation, four days a week. And whereas um, my middle brother and I, we 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 never went to church growing up as kids. You know what I mean? And so when you talk about that nurturing, we were all nurtured completely differently. You know, I grew up in two parent household. Um, by the time my senior year came, my mother, uh, we unfortunately lost my mother, Tracy, to breast cancer. And so I went off to college and then my brother uh, right below me, he grew up, his formative years largely were in a single parent household with my dad. And then my youngest brother, again, grew up on the other side of town and his his mother was a single mom. And so our nurturing was all different. Two parent household, one parent dad or, or one parent mom in terms of how we were nurtured. It was completely different. But the dynamic of our nature is the same. And I very much believe that is genetic, you know, um, and I certainly want my family to submit ourselves to some type of study so we can find out what, what the, where the gay gene at or what is the <laughs> gene at that makes your sexuality not heterosexual. You know, I, it's, I never believe that, you know, you can you can make someone gay like that's I don't I don't believe in that. If someone has otherwise to say, I certainly would love to hear it. But, you know, particularly even what we were saying, if, if we know the historical context of how sexuality uh, has been viewed as less than in your community, I tell people all the time. So, OK, as a black man, I could get shot by the police. Also, oh, oh, let God. me go ahead and add on. Yo, oh, yo, add, I, right. I, I, I like men, too. So let me <laughs> so let me be in danger of, of white police officers. But let me also be in danger in within my, my own community. community. Why would you choose that? You know, when no one wants to choose to be the butt end of a joke. No one wants to choose to be viewed as less than. No one wants to be choose to for the pastor in your church to tell you going to hell because you mm. like the same sex. Mm. No one chooses that. And so that being said, it is always, in my opinion, nature. It is genetic. There's are certain things that God instilled in you and who you are from the moment you were even thought of. You know what I mean? The moment you were conceived, there are certain characteristics of your being that were just destined. And sexuality, in my opinion, is one of them. I would have to agree with you on, on that i would love to ask um and let me know if you feel like i'm getting too personal but i would love to ask like with your brothers all being in the lgbtq plus community um what's your relationship like with your father mm, I, I mean we've had all had troubling times funny enough i was the last person to tell my dad that i was that i was a part of the alphabet mafia is what i, I like <laughs> not to, I, not to <laughs> think about it at this point you say something bad about anyone within the lgbt community that it's a mafia you will get canceled like you talked about beyonce you know what i mean and so yes. that's that's my little that's my little joke it's it's the alphabet mafia okay. so um, daddy but you know what I mean? exactly <laughs> so i was the last one to share anything because I knew and I know how much influence I have with my brothers and I didn't want anyone's ignorance to allow them to perceive that I was making my brothers gay. Like, no, I allowed them to come and share their respective journeys with me. And then when my youngest brother turned 18, then I shared with him like, I, right, well, this is the situation in my life. Um, but as it relates to my dad, you know, I think it's an ongoing journey. He's had a lot of trouble with it as a whole, but we've had trying and troubling relationships prior to anything surrounding sexuality. You know, my dad doesn't know how to be the man who shows emotions, you know what I mean? And, and so if even if sexuality weren't a factor, 
we we may still very much have challenges, but the sexuality thing only takes it to the next level. Um, you know, I, I have compassion on because his biggest thing is like he wants grandchildren. And, you know, I'm like, that doesn't mean we can't have grandchildren. Right. That just may we may not have a pretty bride walking down the aisle with said grandchild. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think things get better over time. I th- for more, me, more than anything else, it's just a matter of respect. And as he grows in his level of awareness, he gets deeper into a place of respect. But in previous moments, we just have years in which we didn't speak to each other because there was a lack of respect. And, you know, I've told him before that, you know, you didn't raise me to be a man that allow anyone to disrespect me. What makes you think you get an exception, you know? Mm. And as you can imagine, he didn't like those words too much. (laughs) Right. I, I, I can only imagine. Um, And then because I'm a social worker and questions come to me, I, and again, feel free to say like back up off, but I am curious to know that how do you feel that relationship with your dad had influenced your vision or your thought of like yourself? Oh, shit. It influenced everything. That's, that was the, even when I grew up, I asked my dad, what is, what is gay mean? And my mom kind of looked at me. You know, like it's one of those moments where as a kid, you don't know what you're asking, but you know you're asking something. Mm. And I may have been like seven or eight years old. And my mom looked at me and my, then looked at my dad. My dad looked at her and looked at me. And he was like, gay means the village people. Mm. And I said, okay. Like that didn't give me a, that didn't right. give me a description of what it really meant. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's kind of like that scene in Moonlight. You know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> where Mahershala Ali and, and Janelle Monae are with the boy in the scene. It's kind of like that. But um, it, I would, I think that with the acceptance of my dad, I would have been in a much more solid and comfortable place Mm. much sooner in my life. You know what I mean? It was always the feeling that I'm not good enough because Mm. I'm not heterosexual. And no matter what I did, I was always running to outdo myself and I couldn't ever be present and completely satisfied with the accolades and achievements because there was a deep rooted feeling that it doesn't matter. You're not good enough. And these weren't words that were said, per se. They just were right. You knew you felt I felt it. You knew, you know, what I mean, and so I, I leaned more into that instead of leaning into the grace and the favor and the mercy that God has extended to me my entire life. I've been very blessed. Very, I've, I've, I've been around this world so many times and, and the experiences and the people that I've been blessed to meet and, you know, my, my, my brothers and my friends, straight and gay, like my, my undergrad network from Morehouse and Spelman and all the opportunities that has extended itself from the HBCU network as well as the LGBTQ plus community. Like I'm, I'm extremely, extremely blessed and I'm just thankful to be at this point in my life um, a recipient of the blessings in present day, not someone who's just like it's brushing over me because I can't be present to just who I am. You know what I mean? Right. Right. No, uh, I think that's important. And then another just curious question that, again, this conversation is just taking me. But how old were you when you realized and not even necessarily that you were in the the alphabet mafia, as you say. But like, <laughs> when do you how old do you think you were at that moment when you were just like, hmm, I'm a little different, man, probably. I mean, when I first kind of had an inclination, it's like like eight years old. But when I okay. first had like a, a deeper interest, probably like in high school, you okay. know what I mean? But still scared to ain't do nothing. I waited till I was in college, you know what I mean? Because I was like, man, you ain't, my dad ain't kicking me out this house. Like, you know, it was just that, that fear, you know? Right. 
So, okay, that was, I just mm-hmm. always curious that, because I always, like, try to think of, like, I remember when I, like, knew I was, like, different, but, like, when you kind of sort of, like, that self-discovery, and, um, for me, it's weird, <laughs> like, um, I'm the youngest of four brothers, and, like, mm-hmm. my relationship with my brothers, it's, like, somewhat turbulent, like, you know, it's weird, like, you know, my brothers wouldn't stand for anybody talking about me outside the house, that's, like, they wouldn't stand for it, but yet, I felt inside the house, it was turmoil, because they were mean and treated me, uh, a, a whatever type of way, and, even like with my one brother to this day, he's like, you love to play the victim. I'm like, I, 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 I'm just telling you my experience of how I felt when I grew up. I don't know what, how else you received that, but I, it makes me think that I just kind of sort of lost my point. I kind of like went back to like, you know, my brother's like, wait, what a minute. But, um, but anyway, do you feel like media accurately portrays gay black men in the media and like as we see it now represented? I think we're expanding to begin to see more accurate representation. I think Hilma Grab Productions, uh, lead about Lena Waith and her whole team and Productions on the Shy and, and, and BT Boomerang, as well as uh, 20s. You know, there's a new wave of productions that are coming out that begin to reflect the LGBTQ plus experience more accurately. But I think in order for that to be done, you needed someone in the seat to be able to do it. Yes. Someone who's in the community, you know what I mean? Um, so, so it's, 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 it's turning in that direction, but we got a long way to go. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Now for me, I had asked you how old you were when you knew that you were different. And then mm-hmm. the story that I was trying to get to was, uh, I knew that I was different, but I, I couldn't really like put a finger on it. And I'll never forget. It was like, um, I don't know, Thursday night. Um, and I was watching in living color with my brothers and you know, the character, uh, Dwayne, uh, the Marlins, uh, there's like this gay character. And I remember like my one brother like turned to me and was like, look, Bryce, that's you. Mm. And I was like, Hmm. And so Mm. I think that, you know, and, and that has like a very profound like way and take on my life. And I think that it's, you know, I bring that back to the the representation question because it's like, you know, it's just so important for us to see the spectrum of the the alphabet army and that that like you know that we are so many shades and colors and, and we're so different yet our experiences are so similar and i think that it's like you know the representation needs to be there uh i'm was on twitter a couple of months ago when bridgerton was out and popping and everybody was watching now do you have time for netflix do you watch bridgerton do you you know the the, the story of it or anything I, i've seen a few episodes here okay. and there but okay. um but not as a whole. Uh, I, I've seen a, a few things, but okay. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big sit at home and chill type of person. As you know, I'm, I like to be out with people. And uh, okay. even during the pandemic, I was I was I was taking all my medication I could so I can still be uh, out and about. Oh, okay, yes. Well, I say Bridgerton to say that I, you know, I love a good binge watch. And I just tweeted out like, you know, I think Bridgerton is so great. But like, I would love a, a Bridgerton that tells my story that tells a story of you know there's so many like queer coding and these disney movies and different things and i just think that it's it's just so important for like representation and for like us to be able to identify and be proud of of the imagery that we see on tv and for me like yeah my brother pointing out the the character of a gay man on in living color uh really kind of like for me like neg- i'm like i don't 
want to be that. I don't ever want to be that. And even like, you know, growing up, like me not wanting to accept what is the clear obvious. Um, and I, I think that comes from like the accurate depiction of what it means to be like a, a black gay man, what it means to be a queer person, what it means to be just a person of color in the spectrum of of things. And um, mm-hmm. I just do you feel like the spectrum of being a black queer gay person out like do you feel like it's represented i mean no i mean i think if i think if it was we wouldn't even have this as a question you know right. i i think as, as aforementioned i think we're beginning to get into that space where you have greater representation on television media and film but that's just because that's i think that's the tide of the country we're shifting in that way you know i mean the fact that gay marriage is legal that makes a big thing now you know but then, you know, I think we've seen white characters on, on television for a while, but it's it's still because it's something that's been taboo in the black community that it's, we're now beginning to see more characters now becoming more normalized. And I think just like anything else, it just takes time. I mean, there was a certain point where you didn't see black lead actors or actresses. That took a long time for Hollywood. You know, we still had uh, Oscars too white only a few <laughs> Only a few years ago. So anything when it comes down to representation on, on in media and film, it's going to take time. And I think we're just slowly progressing in that direction, you know, but, in, but, but prior to getting there, that's why it's important for conversations like you and I are having right now. Right. And I'm so grateful. Another conversation a little off the cuff uh, that I don't always feel like it gets talked about is like even in the LGBTQ plus community. And I don't know how you personally feel, but for me, a lot of the times, like I don't even sometimes feel like the community is for me. Like a, mm. a, a lot of the times I feel like it's a, a cisgendered white gay man's community. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And so I I always kind of sort of say that I, I just I sometimes I don't even feel like it's for me. And so as a black man that identifies as gay I oftentimes feel like you know the conversation that we're having are so important because it's like even if when people try to lump you into the LGBTQ plus it's like y'all do realize that I'm I'm like a minority in that too that my voice is often never heard that like it's not like when you go to these major gay pride events like look at the color of the audience like look at it's not look at the music that they playing in um it's not anything for my culture and even me growing up a gay man in Philadelphia uh, like there's a gay club that everyone knows is like Woody's Uh, but Mm -hmm. that's not like that's not where my people go that's like you Mm -hmm. know and then me growing up like we like I was literally like 18 19 like going to like speakeasies that was like where the the black community of the lgbtq plus went and even to to this day in 2021 i think of like how progressive philadelphia is but we don't even have a a black spot a black space like uh it's it's crazy really and and i i i I get that you know that what you're what you're discussing right now is is west hollywood West Hollywood has been so white for so long. And I remember they asked me to come and DJ at the Abbey. It's been, shoot, seven, eight years ago at this point. And then they told me I was too arrogant to play there. And I just thought it was the funniest thing. And I think what it was is that they wanted me to come in and draw a black crowd, but they didn't want me to play black music. You know what I mean? And I still kept it high energy, you know, in the 125 to 130 BPM, but it wasn't it wasn't lasers and lights like they were accustomed to, you know what I mean? So I still kept the tempo and the energy high, but it was just like, they wanted it to be things that reflected what the white community wanted. And I'm like, 
what that is not going to why don't ask me to come here to assimilate if you want me to bring a crowd in here that reflects people who look like you and I then I need to play music uh, that or looks like me rather then I need to play music that my crowd of uh, uh, my peers can respond to and so it didn't work out but it was a blessing that it didn't work out because I then was empowered to go and create all, my own spaces where people feel welcome you know what I mean and so right. I, I get that I, I, I you know that people people who aren't within the LGBT community don't understand that there's still discrimination within that space and um, it's unfortunate but it's um, it's the it's it's the nature of America just as a whole. Right. And I think that in order for us to get beyond that, we have to empower ourselves to create spaces mm. where we welcome each other. We can't constantly point the finger at someone not welcoming us because we lose our power in that regards. We, we, we maintain and, and, and foster and create our power by taking on the arduous task of whether it be the, the, the responsibility from a financial standpoint or the going out into to getting the venue or it can, it doesn't have to be at the venue. You can start at someone's home. Some of the, some of the best things start in humble environments, the block party that I'm speaking of, like that started behind my boy's apartment building, you know, a four unit apartment building he lived in. We, we did it in the parking lot in the back. Like it didn't start at some major venue, you know, now we're going on across the country to Atlanta and DC and Oakland and another day in LA this summer, but it started with something that was very humble and we will continue to allow it to be humble because we know who we're serving, you know? Mm, I love that. And yeah, I, I love creating your own space and not giving the power about complaining because I can complain all day, but it's about mm -hmm. like, you know, creating that space. Um, I, I love that. Um, I do want to know like how important, cause you know, I'm gonna get up into your business a little bit, but how important is it for your significant other to be comfortable with their sexuality. And yeah, I think this is yeah, if you're uncomfortable, what are we talking about? What are we I, talking about? I, I, I'm I'm up here, you know, having a conversation with Bryce on podcasts about being comfortable in our community. And I and then when when we close the podcast, I'm gonna go talk to my brother or, or my or my partner who's scared to walk down the street with me. Nah, that ain't that ain't gonna fly. Because it takes up too much energy. And I've had I've had guys who've approached me who wanted to date or wanted who were interested in us getting to know each other on a certain level, and they try to disguise their lack of comfort comfortability in being private. And I'm like, those are two different things. Private is we ain't sharing what we got going on with the grand. Uncomfortable is you go your way, I go my way, and we kick it together at at at, how, at the house at night when nobody else knows. I ain't got time for that. I have friends from every walk of life, and all my friends want me to. Uh, they already know I'm happy, but they want my happiness to be enhanced with a partner. You know what I mean? I can't can't tell my boy Torian, my Morehouse brother, my classmate, who is married to his wife and and and, and they have a child. When they ask me about who I'm dating, I can't be like, "Oh, this guy," but you can't meet him. Like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, if, mm. if 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 that's the the realm that we're operating in, that just ain't for me. I ain't got time. You know, because the light that God has given me shines so bright that your light needs to be on too. You know, you, you we can't be in the dark, bro. It just ain't going to work. And I'm cool with it. Mm. Now, let me also ask you a follow-up question. When did you get to that point? And let me, and mind you, so you're new to my podcast. I um I got an issue when I ask guest questions. I normally, I got like 20, 28 questions <laughs> in one question. So just shut up and listen. But no, like, I'm curious. When did you get to that point? And also, do you feel like, and especially because honestly, like, we're around the same age. And I feel like in our culture, um, because again, 
bring it back to representation. It, we don't see these things. Like, you know, in our culture, I felt like, you know, at one point in time, I felt like those type of relationships were cool. At mm, one point in time in my life, those were like the type of relationships that I like idolized for. And at some point in time in my life, in my adult life, I realized that like, you know, baby boy, you got a pattern. Like, you know, I like and when we talked before, I think I shared this with you that like I was just thinking about like some of the last like people that I have dated um, and or not even dated or just I essentially wasted my time, but uh, a mutual waste of time. I just feel like, you know, it, I questioned and looking back like Bryce, did you love yourself? Because mm-hmm. why would you? engage in you know for one reason or not but like at at what point did you like was that alluring to you and again through this conversation it brings back representation like i never had anything to look at to model to be like what is these type of relationships that i'm in and so that's why I ask you these questions. So, you know, back to my question is like, when did you get to that point? And do you feel like our community in which we were growing up, like kind of almost like <laughs> fed into those type of relationships? Oh, absolutely. Because again, it, it circles back to like the, you know, what we, what we tell young gay girls and, and boys in the community, we, 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 we tell them off top that it's something that's negative. We make a negative joke, a side remark, uh, you know, we make it, and then that leads it to being taboo. And if it's taboo, it needs to be something that's done in secrecy. It's shroud or shrewd in secrecy. You know what I mean? And in my opinion, even as it relates to the HIV rates within our community, mm. you know, a number of my friends are HIV positive. So much of that, I believe, personally comes from a place of shame. Mm. If you feel sh- if you feel ashamed or if you operate from a shameful place as to who you are, when it comes down to having sex, when you don't even acknowledge who you are fully as a sexual being because someone has told you you're going to hell or someone told you you're less than, then so often these sexual interactions are taking place in an environment where we're intoxicated, we're high, we're lit, we're this, that, and the third. And we're trying to self-medicate and self-numb ourselves from all the hurt that's been put upon us by other people who've allowed us to feel less than that we oftentimes engage in risky behavior that proliferates the HIV rate within our community. And I think that's why it's so important for us to normalize gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, all of the letters within the LGBTQ plus community. Every, everyone needs to be seen as equal and there, there, there needs to be representation, positive representation for everyone. Because if you can see yourself and you can see yourself as, as like a possibility of your life, that shame that you, that you may have, have felt in the past can diminish. And in it diminishing, you can, you can be a self-advocate and, and treat yourself in a way that honors the fullness of who you are. And if you honor the fullness of who you are, you know, I might be horny and I might want to do this and want to do that, but you know what? I think I should protect myself because Tomorrow morning, I have this job that I'm going to, or I, and it's not just a job; it's something that I was born to do. You know what I mean? But if 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 my self esteem is such at a low place that I don't value myself, then it leads us to engaging in behavior that reflects that. You know what I mean? So when I got to that point, I'm not exactly sure. Again, I think the blessing of my life is I've had examples around me during my adult life, um, but. I, I, I existed in that moment for uh, that space for a moment where I, it was a fantasy. You know what I mean? If I if I kicked it with uh, this person and nobody else knew and everything else. But like, again, I had to circle back and realize, like, nah, be like you. 
you have too much vibrancy about right. your life in order to be in the shadows of somebody else's shame. Like I can't, like that's impossible for me. It, it, it can't happen. It can't exist. And so, and so as it relates to dating, if someone is existing in that realm, I don't judge them because I've existed in that space myself. But what I encourage them to do is when you love yourself a little bit more and you're ready to introduce me to your mom and your daddy, oh. then we can continue this conversation. But if you ain't at the point where you want to introduce me to your mom, your dad, your, your homeboy and your homegirl and it'd be cool, then we ain't really got nothing to talk about. Um, And again, you know, I got a follow-up question, but I, like, how is it dating? Do you find that it is hard to date in this community? Do you find that, or is it like something that is easy for you or like, you know, that's the question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's hard to date. I think we don't, we are, we're unwilling to date ourselves. Mm, mm, what do that? Oh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What does that, Break that down for me, good brother Brian we're, Henry. Sure, we are unwilling to be committed to ourselves. Like we want, we want someone to be faithful to us, but we're not faithful to our own word. We're not faithful to the fact that I'm going to get up at this certain time. I'm going to work out at this certain time. I'm going to put this amount of hours toward my regular job, and I'm put this amount of hours toward my uh, my vocation or the thing that I'm passionate about. You know, what I mean, we have a hard time keeping our own word. So then when you go into the dating space, we anyone you date is a reflection of you. Everything that you're upset about that person, did you feel like that person does and doesn't do and this, that, and there, they're just a reflection of you. So what does that say about yourself? So I hear, it's funny, I hear guys in Atlanta and it, it, this scene in Atlanta, they so this or they so that. I hear the, then the same thing, people in LA, all oh, these boys are this and these da 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 And the same thing in New York, Philly, all over DC, all over the place. What you but heard in Philly? Of, like, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that uh, the pen and relays is the place to be. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so you know. Okay, all right. Okay. No, no but like I, I, I say that to say that, you know, when you spend the time to love yourself and give Everything that you want in a relationship, once you give it to yourself, you will find or you will attract and radiate someone else who's done the same thing. That person has given everything to him or herself and they come to the relationship full, complete, lacking nothing. So anything they're giving to you is overflow. But until we get to that point where everything we need, we, we realize we already have. And that we are aligning ourselves daily basis with God or, or, or whatever your spiritual deity is. You know what I mean? Until you get to that point, I don't think you're even ready for a relationship. Because you just spin around in circles, causing a whole bunch of nonsense. You better preach Deacon Brian Henry, okay? I, uh... <laughs> Insert, I, insert the church organ right there. Okay, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our God is an awesome, awesome God. <laughs> um, and then last question, because I'm all up in your business. This is the Purple Pants Podcast. Oh, this ain't nothing new. You all up in the business, but it's, but it's all good, though. I appreciate it. Do you want children? I do want children, man. I really do want children. And 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 at a previous point, I didn't want children. And I think that was a reflection of trauma. My parents had me at 18 years old, babies having babies. Like literally my mom had me, gave birth to me this summer before her senior year of high school. Mm. And so, you know, kids don't, you, you so young, you don't, you don't know nothing about nothing. And so they, I grew up with my parents and I saw all the 
challenges and struggles they had with their with their own and their own bodies, let alone with each other. And then that spilled over to me. And so I said, I ain't never having no kid. I ain't never putting nothing. My parents were always financially providers to me. They always took care of me. We never went hungry, nothing crazy like that. But from the emotional standpoint, I just saw so much craziness between those two. I'm like, I'm so cool. But what I learned, it, it became more firmly implanted during the pandemic was that when you don't heal trauma prior to having children, that trauma is passed on at a, in a DNA level. And then it becomes the, the task of the next generation to overcome that trauma. And so when you have generations and generations and generations of trauma that's being passed down, it sometimes I've asked myself in my life, why is this so hard for you? Why is this and why is that? And I oftentimes think, well, maybe because you're the first, that's a factor, but it's also because I've been tasked to not only get over the experiences that I've had in my life, but I've also Again, from that root DNA level, like I've had to heal from the things that my my mom and dad experienced, that my grandparents experienced, my great grandparents experienced. And I'm so thankful to be in a place where I've largely healed from a lot of the things that plagued my life. And from this place, at this age, I'm ready or I will soon be ready to have a child. Like I would love to have a little boy. Watch God give me a girl. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I would love a child. Any, it, what, whether the child be a girl or a boy, like I, I feel like I have a lot of love to give. And I think it's important to bring that child into his work from that angle. And um, but I, I'll be partner before that happens. So, you know, when, when the partnership happens then we can talk about the rest, and we, we, we might need to be together for a few years and be selfish so we can run around the world before that happens. Right. <laughs> I, I love that. And do you know, mind you, I know you might be like, why you always got a follow up question? But I think it's just important again for like representation. Um, because cool. again, I always feel like when I see like same sex couples uh, having children again, it's for mm-hmm. me, it's always white. I never see like couples that look like me or couples in my age bracket. Have you ever thought about like how you want to go about having children? I thought about it. I'm not quite sure what that process would look like, whether it be adoption or, you know, whether it be, um, you know, we have an agreement with another couple. Like, I don't I don't know. You know, what I mean, a surrogate mom. I just don't know. I think that's something that will reveal itself when the time is supposed to come. And that'll be an agreement that uh, my partner and I come to. But I, I, I would like to pass on my seed. I would like to pass on my DNA because, again, it's a healed it's a healed bloodline it, starting with me. Right. And um, how that goes about, I'm still not sure. But, you know. I ain't got. I ain't got to know everything at this point. It, okay. it'll, it'll come. It'll come. It'll, it'll reveal this itself. It'll reveal itself. It's the seed for me, though. <laughs> like I have. <laughs> Listen, this is good. This is good uh, stock. Here, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Here, here we go. So, one of my final questions to you is that I really feel like role models are important to have. And again, I feel like all throughout uh, this conversation, it's been about representation. I mm-hmm. would like to task you with what advice you currently in this the state that you are what current advice would you give to young brian him i would tell young brian that you're amazing you're amazing and everything that you ever dreamed of is possible you gotta love yourself first and i would encourage him to not look outside of himself for anything but to look to God for everything and that as you strengthen and deepen your relationship with God everything on on earth becomes a whole lot easier that's the advice that I would give to him you know what I mean um because that's the advice I give to myself now and I think had I gotten to this point sooner it would have been a whole lot of things that would have been easier <laughs> I would have been hit by head against the wall but you know it's all a journey you know I don't right. regret anything 
I look back at some of the things that I did in, you know, in my twenties and my teens, and I'm like, man, what the what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> but you just you just you you operate from a place of what you know, what you've been exposed to. And so to your point about representation, you know, it's not about me being on a pedestal, it's not about me being um, you know, look at me. It's just like I think sometimes I wish I had someone to um speak the language that I could understand. And that wasn't always the case when I was growing up. And so I hope that in the the platform that I have and the access that I have and the privilege that I have, that I'm able to have a young girl or a young boy look at me in a way and say, you know what, whatever it is in my life is possible because Brian overcame X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? Brian came from Baltimore and, and he lost his mom his senior year of high school and he had no money to go to college, but he figured it out. He went to some job that he hated and quit, but he was able to do the things he loved. These are all very difficult things. So he had a dad that didn't talk to him for a year and a half when he told him about his sexuality. These are all huge struggles. And a lot of times we succumb to those struggles. But if anything, I just want to be an example of what's possible when you just lean deeper into your relationship with God. You can overcome anything. Mm, I love that. And I thank you for the opportunity to hear your story and for, you know, wanting to just, you know, fellowship with me, as we say, in this conversation, because I definitely think that it's important. You know, I appreciate you when I first reached out, cussing me out, like, uh, what you only reaching out because it's pride. And I'm like, well, no, I ain't say that. And you like, but it is. But <laughs> I'm like, okay, see, Brian want to fight. Hey, but... so I didn't cuss you out. I just gave you some stern words. But so right. it's a whole different story. You know what I mean? I mean? But no, yes, I was like, look, I get it. Let's call a spade a spade. What is it? What we doing? What we doing? You know, because your time no. is valuable and I want to value your time. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that. And I am like, you know, forever grateful for this opportunity. But I I do want to know, like, what's next? What's popping with the B-Hen? What's what's like, what what we got going on? What what can the people expect? Man, the people can expect the unexpected. Nah. Um, (laughs) As aforementioned, um, we are taking the B-Hen block party on the road and Listen, yes, ring that bell. When I tell you that I am my moniker and and, and my likeness is attached to the title of this event, but it's not about me. We create a safe space and a warm and welcoming environment for everybody. And we're taking it to Atlanta and uh, on July 17th to D.C. on August 14th. We're circling back to L.A. and to Oakland as well before we wrap the year. And for me, it's about taking this community of love that we've been blessed to build and taking that wave and taking that moment and that movement into other environments and, and creating a safe space and a warm and welcoming space for other people to feel loved upon. You know, and that's what it's all about. Like, like I said earlier, you can reach God outside of the church or you said that rather, you know, quoting something I said on online, like ministry isn't just in the church and the communities that we build and, and are fortified through great music, you know, allows us to love on one another. And so that's what it's all about. And so I'm the type of person I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to bet on my team. And my team is phenomenal. There's no way that I could do it without Davon, Lulu, Malachi, Nadia on the team who help us build this. And we're excited to test test the waters in these other markets. And I very much look forward to you bringing you and your crew down from Philly Tell the homies and the homettes from from New York and 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 Jersey and Wilmington and Delaware and that whole eastern East Coast and Eastern Seaboard to come on down to D.C. when we when we do it in D.C. on August 14th. 
Yes, I will be there. I'll be present. I'm going to be in the VIP area. Ain't no VIP. Because every, well, no, because you said every spot is VIP. So I'm going to be. Everybody is VIP. Uh, so I'm going to be in the when, VIP when, area. When we, had, when we had Quay there, when, this most recent Quay there, and Brandy yes. and Tamar Braxton, they all were in the party just like anybody else. And previously yes. we've had Nicole Scherzinger and Evan Ross and Lena Waithe. Yes. And a host of, of celebrities, Macy Gray, and different people that you see on television, they are right in the middle of the party, just like everybody else. Because yes. why? We are all one. I and, love and it. There it is. And where can people get tickets if they are interested to participate? To participate? Maybe. To be there? Because the tickets is going hot. So if they even wanted to think about going, they mm-hmm. would need to hurry up and get up on it. And they only twenty five dollars. Okay, so they, like, it's not breaking ooh. the budget. Okay, who said they was twenty five dollars? Twenty five dollars. No, but they but the, the the experience you get it makes it more than worth it. They you can find the tickets at behenblockparty dot com. That's b h e n blockparty dot com, or you can get them on my Instagram. There's a link there, and I am at it's i t s Brian, but with an i Henry. It's Brian Henry on IG. So yeah. Yes, I'm excited. I will see you in August. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Brian. It's been amazing. Okay. Truly my pleasure, man. I appreciate the format. I appreciate you continue to stand up for the community in ways that you may not even be present to, but I, I more than appreciate you, man. Thank I you. I appreciate you. Our God is an awesome Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following message is brought to you by... Give me a B. B. Give me an A. A. Give me an R. Give me a B. 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 Let me hear it. B. A. R. B. Bar. 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 B. A. R. B. Bar. 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 This week, Jatia is asking, Dear Bryce, I love Miss Barb's message. She is so positive and gets my mind together. She loves you so much and has such a big heart. I love that she is all in with the Purple Pants Posse. Oftentimes, we see our parents as so far removed from the drama we associate with our adult lives. So I wanted to ask Miss Barb to share a real-life, freak-of-the-week-worthy situation from her time as a young adult. I know she has some good stories about juggling relationships or balancing work-life priorities. I'm ready for Miss Barb to serve us some tea. Love, Jatia. Hi, this is Miss Barb. 
And I received a request from Ms. Jatia to share with the Purple Pants Posse a story, a funny story about a bad date gone wrong. Well, when I first moved to Abington, I had just recently divorced. Let the record show her second divorce out of her three marriages. Continue, Barb. And I accepted an invitation for a date from a gentleman. We decided to go to a movie. So it was Saturday night and it was raining. And when my doorbell rang, I opened the front door and (laughs) there he stood with this yellow raincoat, yellow floppy hat, and yellow boots. And my first thought was, it's a duck. Aflac, Aflac. (laughs) Okay, sorry, Barb. Continue. And then I said, oh, goodness. I have to get through this. So then when we decide and we're ready to go to the movies, he says to me, Oh, I had to bring my work truck. So maybe we can take your car to the movie. Now, mind you, the duck outfit was strike one. Quack, quack. And the truck was strike two. Vroom, vroom. And so I said, no, we'll go in your truck. So then we get to the movies. And we're in line, and he's paid for the tickets. And then he turns to me and he says, I hope you didn't mind, but I told them we were senior citizens because, you know, the tickets are cheaper for seniors. Hate to interrupt, Barb, but this is coming from the same person that when I was 16, 17, and 18, when we would go to the movies, you would buy me a kid ticket and tell them I was 12 because it was cheaper. But continue, sis. And in my mind, I said, Lord help me that was strike three (laughs) so we sat through the movie I can't tell you what the name was Duck Island all I wanted to see was the end so when the movie was over and we drove back to my place we drove up to my driveway and I said oh no need to walk me to my door I can make it on my own I got out of that truck, went to my home, opened my door, and closed it. And I said, Lord, I'll never do this again. And at the time, it was not funny. (laughs) But when I think about it, it's hilarious. You talk about a date going wrong, I never, ever accepted another date from him again. I hope you enjoyed this crazy, funny story because it's the honest to God truth. Only me will something like this happen to. Love you. If you have a question that you would like to ask Miss Barb, please send an email over to purplepantspodcast at gmail.com. Who's the freak? Who's the freak? Who's the freak of the week? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky freak?
trick of the week. Might be me, might be you, might be. And we are on to this week's Freak of the Week, or should I say Freaks, plural, of the week, because we got a double-decker Freak of the Week. And our first Freak of the Week, I want to give a huge shout-out to Shakari Richardson. She made waves this past weekend for several reasons. She became America's fastest woman when her runtime qualified her for the upcoming Tokyo Olympics. So yes, shout out to Shakari, okay? And also, shout out to all of the black boy and black girl magic that is making this Tokyo Olympics. There are so many young men and young women of color and track and field and so many other categories in the Olympics. I love to see the representation. You know me. I am someone that stands for representation and I love to see people that look like me, sound like me, doing a thing. So shout out to all of the Olympic athletes that are going to be participating in the Tokyo Olympics. But shout out to our first freak of the week, Shakari Richardson, who also is making waves when she thanked her girlfriend. Now, prior to this, she has never come out as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, but she took to her Twitter this week and shared some rainbows. So people have been questioning and you know whether she is or isn't. I'm always here for it. So, yes, shout out to our girl, Shakari Richardson, the Freak of the Week. And our next Freak of the Week is Carl Nassib, a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, came out as gay on Instagram. He's the first active player in the NFL to publicly come out. A major milestone for men's sports. Carl's announcement was quickly supported by the NFL community and his team, making it seem like his roster spot will be safe for the upcoming season and hopefully becomes a norm in any professional sport to living your truth love yourself and be who you are so of course you know the second freak of the week as we close out pride month is to baby boy carl and i can't tell y'all how many people sent me the story to my text messages to my dms and for me only to learn that carl is from westchester pennsylvania which is literally like 30 minutes outside of the city of philadelphia and you know your baby boy is from Philly so what's up Carl I'm trying to get some tickets you know listen you you need a love of your life uh, cuz I'm here okay but I am so honored to close out Pride Month with an Olympic athlete Shakari and an NFL player Carl I just continue to want to encourage anyone and everyone that listens to my podcast to live in your truth to love yourself and no matter what obstacles you face just live your life 
And huge shout out to this week's Freak of the Week, Shakari and Carl. But if the double Freak of the Week, Shakari and Carl, are the Freak of the Week, that means we are coming to an end of another amazing podcast. I can't thank you enough. It doesn't matter if you are a first time listener, a casual listener, or if you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. Your support. It truly means the world to me. If you have not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the Purple Pants podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast at. We are available. Hit that subscribe button. You know, my uncle Pookie is riding around Philly with the subscription. You can get it out the back of his trunk. Please write a review. Let me know what you like, what you got out of an episode. I would really appreciate it. Huge shout out to DJ Brian Henry for coming on the podcast and sharing his truth, being vulnerable and loving himself. Make sure you tell a friend, to tell a cousin, to tell a loved one, to tell a co-worker, to tell a DJ, to tell an Olympian, to tell an NFL, NBA player, or anybody that you know to love yourself. Because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. The Purple Pants Podcast. You let listen in public, might make your stomach hurt. Ooh. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.